Ovagyana, Tumirandhasya, Gyanam Jana Shalakaya, Chakshur Militam Yuna Tatsmai Shigaravinamaha. In this verse, we find Parikshit Maharaj is asking an important question to Shukadeva Swami, and the discussion that follows in the purport brings up many other important points. This is Shukadeva Goswami's answer to Parikshit Maharaj's question that, that, well, how is it that the uh, gopis became freed from material attachment by lusty desires towards Krishna? Because lusty desires, uh, that's described throughout the Vedic literature as the very cause of material bondage. In Gita, Krishna quite extensively discusses that jahi shatyo mahabaho kama rupa sadam that you overcome this enemy in the form of lust. It is the enemy of self-realization should be overcome. As long as one has got lust, he is bound up in this material world. So how is it that the gopis became free from material attachment by lust? Shukadeva Goswami said, I already answered this. You should be more smart in relationship with Shishvipa, who was so envious of Krishna. <coughs> but he got liberated of course, Parikshit Maharaj, he is not only asking the questions for his own benefit, there are different reasons for his asking the questions. One reason is that in the assembly where Shukadeva was speaking, there were many rishis present, and not all of them were on the platform of pure devotion. So many of them would have difficulty to understand all these points. And therefore, Parikshit Maharaj, understanding that, he asked these questions. Also, that came for the benefit of all future generations like ourselves, who need these points described in detail, repeatedly. And also another reason is to churn the ocean of Krishna Katha. That by asking questions, more points about Krishna and his glories are brought out. That is the nature of Krishna Katha. It's ever fresh. There are always new angles to consider how wonderful is Krishna. Therefore, Anantadev, who is unlimited, he's un- Ananta means without end, so he's unlimited. But the glories of Krishna are also Ananta, without end, so they're also unlimited. So that also means that he doesn't reach the end of describing Krishna's glories. So here the uh, question comes up, and the answer, as any devotee in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Sampradaya should understand, is that when it's described about the lust of the gopis, it's not actually lust in the same way that a materialistic person lusts after a materialistic object, but that apparent manifestation of lust is actually praying pure love for Krishna. There's a vast difference between the two. As Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami explains that Atmendriya Priti Vancha Tare Bale Kam Krishnendriya Priti Icha 
Hare Premanam, that the desire to satisfy one's own senses, that is called lust. But the desire to satisfy Krishna, that is called Prem. And the gopis are the topmost example of Krishna Prem. Because they sacrifice everything for Krishna. All devotees sacrifice everything for Krishna, but the gopis sacrifice to a degree which is incomparable. There, the example is there in Bhagavad Gita of of the banyan tree of this material world, which gives the idea of the perverted reflection. Everything in this material world is a perverted reflection of that in the spiritual world. So in the spiritual world, the topmost manifestation of Krishna praying is that of the gopis who sacrificed everything for Krishna. But the perverted reflection of that is the uh, illicit sex in this material world. Because the gopis' relationship with Krishna appears to be illicit. According to Vedic standards, it was not proper for Krishna to dance with the gopis. According to mundane standards, but of course Krishna is not mundane. So, what is the topmost in the spiritual world, in, the, in just like a great tree that is reflected on the bank of a pond, it, the, what is top in real existence becomes the bottom in the reflection. So therefore this, the Krishna is meeting with the gopis, dancing with the gopis, relating with the gopis. It is misunderstood by materialistic people who are envious of Krishna. They take it that Krishna is lusty like them. The gopis are lusty like ordinary girls. And Krishna is lusty like an ordinary boy. So it's very exclusive, esoteric subject matter. Not easy to understand. Even we'll come to, I hope I'll come back to that later, Madhvacharya. His understanding of the gopis, and Krishna, here he's quoted in the purport, but his understanding is not exactly the same as those of the Vaishnava Acharyas. The gopis are the topmost devotees. They defeated Krishna. Because Krishna being unlimited, he's able to promise in Bhagavad Gita, As anyone worships me, I reciprocate with them. And Krishna's ability to give to us is more than our ability to give to him. As Prabhupada used to quote his father, that God has ten hands, because he has unlimited hands. Sarvata pani padam tat. Everywhere are his hands are limited. But just for example, it's given he's got ten hands. We only have two. So if, if God wants to take something away from us, then how can we resist? And if he wants to give us with his ten hands, we only have two hands, how much can we take? So his ability to reciprocate is unlimited and our ability to reciprocate is our ability to give is limited. So Krishna makes a promise in Bhagavad Gita. As you surrender to me, so I reward you accordingly. But in the case of the gopis, Krishna was defeated because their love for him was such that even he said, I am unable to repay you. He admitted defeat. 
the gopis, they took the promise of Krishna and they tested it. We know Krishna is a liar. We can never trust him. Now let's see if he will, uh, if he can fulfill. And Krishna tested the gopis. He was dancing in Raslila. He left in the middle of Raslila to see how will the gopis behave. What is their reaction? So the gopis, they, they, by their reaction, they show that how they were, their life was completely spoiled by the absence of Krishna. But then, even then, they saw that Krishna had gone with Radharani. And then Krishna again abandoned Radharani. But then you see that the gopis, they were more sorry for Radha. So actually their love for Krishna, it's not that they're simply thinking of their own enjoyment. But they were more sorry for Radha, that she has been abandoned by Krishna. So actually their love, it's selfless love. They're prepared to give themselves. They, they showed that they fully gave themselves to Krishna. And then Krishna said that, I cannot repay you. So Krishna is defeated by the love of the gopis. So these are very uh, confidential subject matter, very easy to misunderstand, very relishable, no doubt, but very easy to misunderstand. Nevertheless, that is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's gift, that he particularly wanted to give this knowledge of Krishna in Vindavan. Aradhyo Bhagavan Vajeshitam Yasthadhama Vindavanam Ramyas Ramyasya Chiddu Pasana Vajavatu Vargena Yakau Kita Srimad Bhagavatam Pramanam Amalam Prima Pumarto Mahan Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Matamidam Tatradaro Namaha It's uh, is the description of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Mata Matharidam, this is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's statement, his, this is his line, that the Supreme Personality of Godhead is worshipable, especially that son of Nanda Maharaj. There are so many different forms of the Lord, but especially Krishna in Vrindavan, Vajayashataniya. Rajesh means Nanda Maharaj and the son of Nanda Maharaj, Krishna. This Krishna, Vrindavan Krishna. And just as Krishna is worshipable, so also his dham, Vrindavan, Tadhama Vrindavan. Then the, the topmost method of worship of Krishna is that which is conceived of by the gopis. Vajjavadhu means the wives, married women of Vrindavan. Bhargena Yakautita. Srimad Bhagavatam is the topmost evidence in all the Vedic literatures. And the topmost goal of life is praying, love of Krishna. So this is Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Mataridam Satradaranapara. Srinath Chakravarti, follower of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, says that this, we worship the path of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. We don't follow any other. Now, in this purport, we have quotes from Madhvacharya from the Skanda Purana, in which there's some very interesting analysis. 
However, even though we are in the Brahma, Madhva, Gauriya, Vaishnava, Sampradaya, practically the Gauriya, Vaishnava, Sampradaya has some differences with the original Madhva, Sampradaya. The controversial point. That Madhva, he doesn't accept the gopis in the same way that Gauriya Vaishnavas do. But then no one. In the Mbaka Sampadaya, they worship Radha Krishna. But they worship in conjugal relationship. Of course, Prabhupada uses the word conjugal to mean simply a relationship of attraction. But actually, conjugal means married relationship. That's the dictionary meaning of the word. So he worships them as married, because in Shastra it's also stated that actually Radha and Krishna were married in the forest of Vrindavan, by Brahma, he performed such a ceremony. So that is stated. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in his Sampadaya, he worshipped this Jaya Jaya Jvala Rasa, this akyat, unknown Krishna Das, one of the many Krishna Dasis, sings this song. He's saying, All glories to the Jaya Jaya Ujjvala Rasa, the topmost radiant Rasa relationship exchange juicy relationship, which is the essence of all relationships. That is the parakya bhav. That means the relationship of Krishna with the gopis, which is not according to wedlock, not according to Vedic directions. Parakya bhave jaha brajate pocha. This is only in Vrindavan. You won't find in Dwarka or Ayodhya or Sri Rangam, or Udupi, or any of these places. There's no such discussion. Uh, that is only in Vrindavan. That is very uh, secret and mystical. That actually the gopis, there is, there is no question of immorality in such a thing. Actually, from the, from the Krishna conscious point of view, if anyone thinks, this is my wife, that's immoral. Because it's every, uh, every living being is meant for the enjoyment of Krishna. That's why once one newly married couple, they came to Gorkishodas Babaji Maharaj, and they asked that you please give us blessings for family life. So he said, yes, I'll tell you how to live a proper life as a, as a family man. You should see your wife as a part and parcel of Krishna, devotee of Krishna. So you should serve her in every respect. Not that your wife should serve you. If you think my wife is serving me, then you are in the position, Bhogi. I am the controller. Actually, in terms of worldly morality, that must be there. That's also given by Krishna. These are the Vedic directions. But the whole point of Vrindavan Leela is that it's beyond the Vedic directions. 
It's on a completely different platform. On the worldly platform, that is laudable, that the wife should follow the husband, and it's despicable if she doesn't. It's similarly despicable if a man abandons a faithful wife. There are some exceptions. It's like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu left his wife. But that was for a higher cause, for preaching Krishna Bhakti. So if one is actually preaching Krishna Bhakti like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, then he can take sannyasa and leave his wife. What is that? Sagvasu Dushtuja Sarevsita Raja Lakshmin. He gave up his wife who was Lakshmin. Dharmishta, because he is Dharmishta, he is the personification of religion. So these are all very subtle points, that one should not abandon a wife. But then if one should abandon a wife, if he, by doing so, he can benefit the whole world more. So there are very many subtle points. Here the point is that Krishna is to be understood the supreme control of the supreme lover. Here Madhvacharya has quoted, which is also not untrue what Madhvacharya is quoting. Everything Madhvacharya says is correct. There's nothing incorrect in what he says. But from it's simply that in Gorya Vaishnava understanding, it's understanding the same point from a different perspective. So by viewing from a different perspective, it may appear to be contradictory, but it's not. Just like now they have in this quantum physics, and they have apparently contradictory statements. But if you understand from a higher level, you can understand that apparently contradictory, but actually everything is within, there's a harmony. There's an inherent harmony which is higher than the apparent contradiction. So, same thing, Krishna's parakya bhav, his love for the gopis who are married, on the, if you perceive from the worldly level, it's immoral. But Krishna consciousness means to see everything from Krishna's point of view. So from Krishna's point of view, there's no immorality. You, those who are considering we are the husbands of the gopis, they are immoral. Because... Every living being is a part and parcel of Krishna, meant to be enjoyed by Krishna. Everyone is the wife of Krishna. Even that Krishna is married to Radha, there's no need for him to marry Radha. He's eternally the husband of everyone. It's like they sing this song, Jai Jagadisha, what is that, Tum, Swami, how does that go? I never learned. It's a materialist. You are the Swami. They take you, you are the Swami, so, you know, give me something. But it also means you're the boss, you're to be served. So he is the Swami, he is the controller and the master and the husband of every living being. So, relationship, just how you say Swami, Swami, if the wife says Swami, that means she accepts the husband as superior, controller, but it's also a relationship of love. So, generally, religionists see us, they emphasize the part of being subordinate to the supreme love. 
which is correct, it's not incorrect, that we are subordinate to. But relationship of the wife to the husband is also one of, it's not just, it's not like being in the army, not supposed to be. There's no love, simply, do this, do that, otherwise you'll have to cut potatoes. That's in the British army, if you, disciplinary method, you have to cut potatoes for 200 men. And they don't eat much else, mostly potatoes. So, uh, relationship between husband and wife, that's supposed to, husband is supposed to take superior position, but it, it's a relationship of love. It's not simply formal. So, love, that is expressed in all the sampradayas, but especially in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's sampradaya, love is emphasized more. More than rules and regulations. Of course, in the beginning stage, rules and regulations must be there. But the important thing, Premakumartha Mahan, Prem, love of God, that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to this world to relish what is love, what is the, this is the essence, this overrides all other considerations. Where there is a relationship of love, then all other rules and regulations, they're not there. Just like, out of love you may do something that should not be done. Just like the, uh, you see, Mother Yashoda is always, always putting Krishna on her lap. The mother, she takes, the, even the boy who is grown up, she may take him on her lap and pet him. And she doesn't, any grown man except her husband, she's not supposed to do. And even from the boy's point of view, he's maybe a grown up, but because there's a relationship of love, therefore she's putting on the love. Similarly, the, the mother is worshipped by the boy. Young boy is supposed to consider the mother as worshipable. Matri Devo Baba. Still she, he's sitting on her lap. You're not supposed to do. Any worshipable person, you're supposed to only be below their feet, but you're sitting on the lap. Because it's a relationship of love, therefore other considerations, they become subordinate to that love. No mother would be very satisfied if she wants to take their son on her lap and says, no, no, you're worshipable to me. You know, all right, but you know, I'm your mother also. So, there's no rules and regulations there, and then gone, just like, just like the same thing, the, the, the prime minister of the country, everyone is very respectful, but his mother, when you, she's, when you come, when he goes to his mother's house, then she may be saying, just, you know, chastising him and, uh, you know, treating him in a very familiar manner. Because there's a relationship of love. He's superior to her. She's not the Prime Minister. She can't sign a letter that you drop a bomb on Pakistan or whatever. Of course, our present Prime Minister, I presume his mother's already dead and gone. She's still alive? No, she's, he's pretty old himself. Anyway, he can't, she can't, she doesn't have the power that he does. She doesn't have the respect that he does. 
But when they're alone and together, then it's, you know, she doesn't carry the prime. There's no question of a formal relationship because she's his mother. It's a, the, the relationship of love is such that he is always to her first and foremost my son. And that he's prime minister doesn't, it doesn't really make any difference to the relationship. So in the same way, where there's a strong relationship of love, you'll see even the gopis, the Vajavasis, they can understand that there are many indications that Krishna is God. He showed them, he showed the Vajavasis, the whole Vaikuntha world. He showed Mother Yashoda, the Vishwarup within his mouth. He killed so many demons who are not possible to be killed even by Indra. So many indications he gave that he is God. But the Vajavasis, well, he might be God, but you know, what the hell, you know. He might be God, but he stole my mother. I'm, com- I'm going to complain to your mother, you rascal. Stealing the butter. And they go and complain to Mother Yashoda. Okay, Krishna, I'm going to beat you. No, don't beat him. I don't want him beaten. They're complaining to Mother Yashoda. Mother Yashoda is saying, now I'll beat you. No, no, no. Don't. Don't beat him. Mother Yashoda is very strict, very heavy. Tied Krishna up. Won't accept any bad behavior. Very strict mother. Then all the trees came crashing down and Nanda Maharaj and all the people came. What are you doing? You tied him up. You see, you put him in such danger. You almost killed him. You see, he's crawling away and he went between the trees and the trees fell down and by the grace of Lord Narayan, the trees didn't land on his head. Otherwise, he would have been killed. What are you doing? Mother Yashoda is hiding in the corner. You see, all the Vajvasis are chastising her. You see, you almost killed Krishna by tying him up. Even Krishna is afraid. I don't want to go. No, my mother is very dangerous. She's tying me up and she's threatening to chasing me with a stick. I didn't do anything wrong. So this... Uh, on the platform of love, then actually, actually everything is substantiated philosophically. But there's no consideration of philosophy. As Prabhupada often said, the gopis, they're not studying Vedanta Sutra. You won't find it in But what are they doing when they're churning the butter in the morning? They're chanting the glories of Krishna. That is the conclusion of Vedanta Sutra. That we should... There are so many verses. We should glorify Krishna. Yad Kirtanam, Yad Smaranam, Yad Ikshanam. He should be glorified. He should be heard about. He should be remembered. So this is the conclusion of Vedanta Sutra. The gopis, they're the greatest scholars because they're always chanting the name of Krishna. Anyone who says Hari, these two syllables, it's understood. They already read all the Rig Veda, Samaveda, Yajurveda, Tarvaveda, they're completely perfect scholars. So what to speak of the Vajvasis who are always not only chanting the name of Krishna, but their whole consciousness is fully saturated with Krishna, so much so that 
One time the gopis, they had a conference among themselves. They're always having little discussion groups, whispering among themselves. They said they made a resolution. From now on, no more Krishna. Finished. <laughs> it's just a it's just a big headache. This Krishna, he just causes us so many problems. You see, we have now from now on we'll be good girls, and we won't think about Krishna. We won't talk about Krishna. We won't remember nothing to do with Krishna. Finished. So then they tried, but then they found we can't. We can't do it. We're not capable. We're not capable of... It's beyond our control. We can't stop thinking of Krishna. Krishna is like a poisonous drug. That when he enters your system, you can't get it out. We can't stop thinking of Krishna. We can't stop discussing Krishna. Even though it's completely against our benefit. It's, it's completely it's spoiling our whole life. Is thinking of Krishna. So the gopis, they're not discussing Vedanta Sutra, but they're always discussing Krishna. And the goal of Vedanta is to always think of Krishna. Now Madhvacharya, he's quoting these verses, which state that the gopis, most of them were previously, many of them, they, they were different groups of gopis. So among them, one of them is the Rishichari gopis, they were formerly rishis, sages in Dandakaranya, who, when they saw the beauty of Lord Ram, from the, from the purified spiritual platform that they had attained, they became attracted to the beauty of Lord Ram. Not that a man is attracted to a man, that's really abominable. But uh, from the spiritual platform, all living beings are attracted to Krishna. To Ram, so they desired a conjugal relationship. But that wasn't possible <coughs> at that time for two reasons. One reason is that they were in the body of men. Another reason is that Ram was Ekapatni Vata. His vow only to accept one wife. So then they, Lord Ram benedicted them that you can take birth as gopis in Vajra when I come again as Krishna. Then, uh, as Krishna, not Ekapatni Vata, but Asankhya Patni or Asankhya Premika. He can accept any number because he's the unlimited. He's showing his unlimitedness more than any other incarnation. Especially, you see, Ram is Mayada Purushottam. Krishna, the personality of Godhead who shows proper behavior. Krishna's Lila Purushottam, he's only acting for his own enjoyment, and his enjoyment is unlimited. So he has unlimited girlfriends, wives, and mothers. So, and then there are also the, uh, the Shrutis, the personified Vedas, who also desired to, they understood that we are the Vedas, well, the goal of all the Vedas is to love Krishna. And the topmost position of the of loving Krishna is that of the gopis. So we want to be like that. Why settle for less? So they also got the chance to become gopis. And they're, they're also the nitya-siddha gopis who are always with Krishna. They're not coming from any position in this material world. But Madhvacharya is making the point that 
these, the, the personified Vedas and the Rishis who became gopis in a previous life, they already achieved the perfection of knowledge. So it's not that they were not without knowledge. So their calm, he's saying that after they've come to the liberated position, only then this calm is coming. But so this calm is not a subject of, it's not a matter of materialistic calm, but it's a different kind of lusty feeling altogether. Of course, the point that's being made here is that Sugadeva Goswami is making that even if it is materialistic lust, even then, because it's based on Krishna, it will purify it. Because even if you don't know who Krishna is, however you react with him, it is purified. Just like we tell people, chant Hare Krishna. You know why they're chanting Hare Krishna. But they become purified by doing so. Especially in, you'll find in many countries, people, they, they join in chanting Hare Krishna. We ask them to chant. And the people, if they're somewhat simple-minded, they will do so. They'll chant Hare Krishna. You don't know why. They think it's fun. I just got a letter from America, one of my disciples is preaching and he said that so many young girls are coming to our center, that they, they, are, they are rich, beautiful, educated, so they're not, if you tell them this material world is miserable, they can't accept. But they like to chant Hare Krishna, they think it's a, they think it's a fun way to pass Sunday afternoon. It's, it's good fun. You chant, you sing, you dance, and you have nice vegetarian food, they're all vegetarians. So it's fun, see? So they like to come to China. For them it's fun. It's, they're thinking it's some kind of material enjoyment. Still they'll be purified by that. But Madhvacharya is making the point, quoting from Skanda point, that already they're on the platform of knowledge. So the last that developed that came afterwards. So the, the apparent last of the gopis that's absolutely pure. There is another example of Kubja, who her lusty feeling towards Krishna is not the same as that of the gopi. It's her feelings were practically materialistic. So, Krishna interacted with her. He made her very beautiful. And he visited her, but her feelings, it's not that she also became purified by that, but for the gopis actually, when it said that they were purified, it doesn't mean that they were ordinary, lusty, materialistic people, but those who were the, previously the Dandakaranya Rishis, and those who were the personified Vedas, if there was any tinge, there may still have been some some slight tinge of material attraction. Just like in the Vedas. The Vedas mostly deal with the modes of material nature. So if there was any tinge of material attraction, that became burned out by the strong feelings of attraction for Krishna. That's the system that one who is becoming purified by Krishna consciousness when he takes birth, where Krishna is performing his pastimes. So the Gaudis, uh, Rishis of Dandakaranya and the Shrutis, they took birth in Raja and by associating with the eternally purified Gopis whose feelings for Krishna were intense, 
then by that association, there already the feelings of the the shrutis and the rishis were already intense, but by associating with that of the nitya siddha gopis, then whose whose feeling for Krishna is most intense, then they also became they also became imbued with such a feeling and they also became completely purified. That's another point of why this parakya bhav it is so much intense because the means the, the, the mode of expression is also limited. The feeling is unlimited, but the opportunity to express it is limited. That means if you're the wife in, in the married conjugal bar, then the wife has full access to the husband. But in the case of the gopis, their access to Krishna was very limited. And they, they couldn't or they couldn't express openly. So they had these intense feelings for Krishna. But at the same time they they, they couldn't always express them. And even when they were together with Krishna, there was always some fear that now we'll be found out. And they knew that we only have a limited time. When the morning comes, Nishan, the end of the night. So that means that it's Leland also, that they can know they have to go back to being they pretending they have no relationship. Only at night. In the day also, Yoga Maya has her church, but specifically, especially at night, last leader is at night, not in the daytime. With one exception. Krishna performed last leader on the hoods of Kalyana in the daytime. But generally it's at night. So this uh, Madhvacharya, he is expressing that actually the gopis, the Ajnanis, which is not untrue, but Gorya Vaishnava Sampadaya, we don't think of them, the gopis as being Jnani. We think how they have their love for Krishna. That is, love takes in the, the jnana, bhayagya, that's already included. But for, for the Brajva, for the pure devotees, although jnana is important for the sake of preaching, and although jnana is important for those who are not fully purified, but on the platform of love, there's no, it's not, you know, there's no sitting down and discussing Vedanta Sutra or any such thing. Simply how to satisfy Krishna. That's why I'm saying also that we're discussing this philosophy in this class, but then we also have to see how the temple is set clean. It's not just some philosophical discussion, not some, not simply some theory, but practically we have to see how the temple is clean, there's so many points. We have to know how to satisfy Krishna. Bhakti means how to satisfy Krishna. The gopis are praised so much because they were completely dedicated to satisfying Krishna. They knew how to do so. So we are following sadhana bhakti means we have to cultivate learning how to satisfy Krishna. What is pleasing to Krishna? 
We cannot imitate the gopis. If we think that, well, I will, I will simply love Krishna. No need to do any service. The gopis, they're doing service. They're full efforts. But, but if, this is a this is common problem here in India and now all over the world we see that people think that um, they hear that love is the highest, so they think, okay, we'll just love. You see, the gopis, they just love Krishna. But the love for the gopis was so intense that there was no possibility of their being diverted. But on our platform, we don't have such love. So we can be diverted at any point towards sense gratification. And generally, that's what happens. The people say, yes, 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 we love Krishna. I only love Krishna. We're not interested in philosophy. Not interested in philosophy means that you will become a materialist in the name of loving Krishna. That we just love Krishna. Pushtiman. We, we, we just love Krishna. That's also the, the emphasis is on love. But without proper understanding, you'll find there was one Pushtimagi lady in Calcutta. She said, well, I just treat my Gopal as my son. So all my other sons, they sit with me and watch TV. So we have it, we put Gopal on the seat and we also watch his TV. But that's not the problem, that's a misunderstanding because Gopal doesn't like to watch TV, nonsense TV. Gopal doesn't need a close-up advertisement. He doesn't use close-up or any such stupid thing. So uh, misunderstandings will come. And there are so many misunderstandings on the, because people don't properly cultivate philosophical knowledge of Krishna. So love is above all. That's true. But at the same time, love is not such a cheap thing. Love for Krishna. The love of the gopis is not such a cheap thing. You can say, okay, well, yeah, I'm a gopi. May Gopi who you'll find. You'll find the Govardhan Parikrama, followers of a certain different groups. They're calling out, May Gopi who I am a Gopi. It's not simply by saying, you think that Krishna wants to, you, sometimes you see there's that Saki Baiki, Upper Sampradaya. The uh, men, they dress as women. Like they think, I have to, we have to have the feeling of being a gopi. And we have to, we have to imbibe the mood of the gopi. So we'll dress in a sari. Talk in a stiletto voice. <laughs> and then three days a month, they hide themselves away from everybody. And men, right? But three days a month, they're hiding away because, you know. And they think this is pleasing to Krishna. This is foolishness. But so many foolishnesses will come by not properly understanding the path, what is the proper method to understand, how to understand the gopis. Actually, don't try to understand the gopis. You can't understand the gopis. Especially in the beginning. It's not even a matter of understanding. Philosophically, we can understand, we're discussing what is their position. But we have to follow in the footsteps of the devotees, not imitate. You see, gopis, they came as Sikh Goswami, Rupa Goswami, Rupa Manjari, 
will be considered the on the SHRL platform, Ruth Manjari, the leader of all the devotees. She's, she's the little girl. Then, but that is Rupa Goswami, who is the leader of the devotees on the exoteric platform. Rupa Goswami. So all of them, Rupa, Sanatana, Bhattaraka. Why Rupa Anuga? Because they follow Rupa Goswami's directions in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu for executing the process of Bhakti, which begins with sadhana. Ado Guru Vashraya Krishna Dikshadi Shikshanam Vishram Bhena Guru Seva Sadhu Vatmanudatanam He gives the rules and regulations. First you have to accept the Guru. You have to take initiation. You have, see some Sahajiyas, they say that you don't... You see, you have to follow in the footsteps of the gopis. The gopis didn't have any Guru. So we don't need any Guru. And like this, they didn't worship Tulsi. See, so we, we shall not worship them. Oh, funny, I know. so many wrong ideas. But Rupa Goswami says, you accept a guru, you take initiation, you take instruction, serve with all and reverence, follow in the footsteps of the previous acharyas. So many points of that. So, it's very important, especially at the present time, because within or around our movement, there are many wrong ideas being broadcast. There's actually a lot more discussion of this Gopi Bhav and so many things than when Prabhupada was present. Prabhupada was very cautious about this thing because he knew that it's so easy to become a Sahajiya. Sahajiya means one who takes it easily. So that is the tendency in material life. We always want to find the easy way. Why is there instant coffee, because people don't want to percolate it. Why do they have this thing, you can sit and you press the button for the TV, you change the channels, because people don't want to go to the tremendous effort of getting up from their seat, walking over and adjusting. Everyone wants the easy way out, they want things easily. So even in spiritual life, that tendency may be there to try and take it easy. You may say, well, why should I do all this service? Why don't I just love Krishna and become a gopi? Why all this, you know, rising early in the morning? I'll sleep late, but when I get up, I'll put on my best sari and become a gopi. Why, why, do the, why follow the difficult path? Actually, Krishna Krishna is not difficult, but there is some purification is required. It's not that you can just do a lot, you become the world long jump champion and take a long jump into the Ras Lila. You won't get there. You're, it's too far to jump. You can't jump into the Lok Mandava. And even if you try, Durga is there. Durga means difficult to go, difficult to get out of. Your banger. Even if you get, you see there's the coverings of the universe. The first one is earth. So you'll smash your head against the rocks and fall down and become a worm in stool if you try to do such a thing. So there's a process 
how to cross beyond the covenants of the universe, beyond the Viraja river, beyond the Brahmalog, beyond Vaikuntha, beyond Dwaraka, beyond Mathura, to go to Vrindavan. There is a process to go to Vrindavan. The process has to be followed. And Sahaj, no, why, why do they want anything easy? The gopis, their whole existence is not easy. Why they're considered the topmost devotees? Because they go through so many difficulties to serve Krishna. So in materialistic life, we're always trying to avoid the struggle. Or even if someone struggles, they struggle for some sense gratification. But as devotees, we should welcome the struggle. The struggle to become Krishna conscious. Because without that, how can we be purified? Without that, anyone can say, anyone can talk, anyone can read a book and talk about the gopis. You can talk about it. But uh, where's the proof that you actually love Krishna? You have, to, you have to struggle for Krishna. You see, Prabhupada, he went through so many difficulties to establish the Krishna conscious movement. That, that shows how much dedication you have to Krishna. Others are sitting at home and discussing... Gopi Bhav. But the gopis, namely Rup, Sanatan, Bhatta, Raghunath, they all want. What they want is to, and Krishna has come as Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. The gopis, their business is to satisfy Krishna. So they want Krishna conscious preached all over the world. So that struggle, that is required. Simply to talk about the gopis is one thing, following the footsteps, to accept all difficulties for serving Krishna. That is the test of the devotee. So we should welcome the chance to struggle for Krishna, the chance to become purified, the chance to serve Krishna. That's why Prabhupada said that the neophyte devotees can remain in the temple ringing the bell. But the advanced devotees, they should of course, they also, not that they don't go to the temple, but they should be out preaching, spreading Krishna consciousness. So how to understand the gopis? It's not an easy thing. Now we are discussing this. But it's very relishable also. Bhavanti hitkana rasayanam kata. It's very relishable to hear about Krishna. Manoviramat. You see. Bhagavatam itself states, you'll find within the text, you see, this is very nice. Shukadev Goswami says. Rubra, uh, Parikshit Maharaj says. This Shukadev Goswami says. Vasayanakata. It's very relishable, tonic, tonic topics. And Parikshit Maharaj says, Manovirāmat, it's very pleasing to the mind. So they say, it's very nice, we should discuss. But at the same time, we should know that unless we're prepared to make the effort to serve Krishna, take the struggle, do whatever is required to serve Krishna, then such discussions are simply artificial. It's not meaningful unless we are prepared to make a sacrifice to serve Krishna. That's why, uh, no, actually, I'm 
very concerned how the, now this temple is built, how to keep it clean. If we don't keep it clean, that means we are not Krishna conscious, it means we are unconscious. We see dirt is thrown here and there, but we don't see. We're just thinking of the gopis. Which gopis you're thinking of? And we have to see. So, actually I want to speak something about this also. I said I'd speak something. Everyone should hear. Anyway, where's Ramdas? At least he should hear. He was here. He was here to hear. But now he's gone. Anyway, I gave him that essay. The point is that it's a very simple thing to understand. It may not be so easy to do. But see, we're worshipping Krishna not only on the altar. Don't think Krishna is only on the altar. This is all, actually Krishna is everywhere, but especially his temple means that this is supposed to be like the whole area is below Dham. You should think like that. This is a place where Krishna has come so we can serve him. So it's not only on the altar. You offer some nice sabji, rice, dal, and then you eat and very nice, very happy. Not like that. But you have to think how we have to make everything neat and clean and tidy and nice. Is all, you see, traditionally they'll, they'll take the, the deity outside also for inspection. Isn't it? We'll have, we'll take the deity on a palki. In Mayapur you're saying they're doing it. In most of the temples in South India regularly, they take the deity outside also. So all the devotees come and they have a nice kirtan and the Lord sees. That's stated in Shastra that we should, Lord Krishna says to Uddhava that devotees, they should make nice gardens for me. So all these nice gardens, it's not actually meant for the public. It's meant for Krishna. It's all meant for Krishna. So Krishna should come. See, in the evening you can take him in the nice garden and fan him. And he can enjoy being in the nice garden which is made for him. But if the nice garden is full of cigarette packets and gutka packets and plastic cups that were thrown away three months ago and no one bothered to pick it up, then what is that? That means we're not Krishna conscious. Means we're in the mode of ignorance, actually. What's the next word? Na. With those who are demons, they do not know what is proper behavior and what is not. Then the next word, na, they don't have. Three things Krishna says. Anyone can say? No one knows this verse? Na socham. They are not clean. Na socham, na pichacharo, na satyam teshu vidyati. They're not clean, they're not properly behaved, and they're not truthful. These are the symptoms of who? The demons. Janana vidur asuraha. Those who are demoniac. It's actually demoniac not to be clean. It's one of the, in the mode of goodness, one is clean. Now of course to keep a very big area like this clean, it's not so easy. But it's not impossible either. And as we've invited Krishna here, we have to keep Everything clean. 
It's not impossible. It means there are so many institutions. And if you go for, if you go to any big company, like uh, just like Biela, they have their temples. They keep them clean. They're conscious. We have to. Any big company, I don't know. Like if you go to Bits Pilani, that uh, who's that run by? That's also Biela. So they keep everything. Any respectable. Telco or Lars and Tubro, if you go to their grounds, everything they keep clean because they, you know, it's, they have some idea that we are a respectable organization. So we shouldn't look like, it shouldn't look like the Chobapati. Even sometimes you go in the Chobapati and it's so clean, actually, in some of the houses, in some places. Inside they keep everything very clean and neat. So it's not impossible, it can be done. It may require hiring some more people to go around and pick up everything. It may require that you put more bins and you, you go around and tell people, here, put, you just go around and tell people, when you're giving the prasad, tell them, put in the bin, put, keep it, you have to be conscious of it. And it's the same people basically coming again and again. I would think that probably 80% of the people who are coming, they're regular visitors. So if you tell them, then uh, they'll get the, they'll put it in the bin if you have a bin, and then you clean it out. You don't just leave it till it's overflowing for ten days. You clean it out regularly, and uh, then others who come, the other twenty percent, they'll also see. If you keep it clean, then people will cooperate. But if you throw it everywhere, then everyone will just throw everything everywhere. It's a matter of setting a standard. You have to be constantly thinking about it. maintenance. Means you have you have to be constantly. It's, you're never going to get a perfect situation, but you always have to strive and struggle for that. You always have to be doing that. So devotees also, like how we see, even the bathroom, everything you should keep very clean. Not that you, you get your tooth, your toothpaste finishes, so you just throw it on the floor. Even there's a bin there, but you know, it's, if you had to throw it in the bin, it would take, you know, slightly greater effort of your finger muscles. So, conserve energy. It's just the mode of ignorance, that's all. Now, India, in general, you see, personally, people tend to be quite clean. At least previously, everyone used to take a bath in the morning. But in terms of civic cleanliness, there's no such idea. Everyone just throws everything everywhere. I think this must come from village culture, because in the village, you see, you eat, if you eat off a plate, you throw it, and some goat or cow comes and eats it. And if it's datum, you just throw it, and it's all gets absorbed back in the soil. But if you're living in a city where people are congested together, and it's not just plates and datums and all things which are, what's the word, ecologically biodegradable biodegradable they, they, so uh, but like plastic bags toothpaste packets all these things if you throw it it just stays there and even if you throw a leaf plate it's not a village then there's like a, a wedding here and they throw 1000 leaf plates and you don't just wait for it to get absorbed into the earth you have to pick it up and 
So there are many points. First thing, it requires consciousness. We're talking about becoming Krishna conscious. So first you have to become conscious. It's like I was just reading, there was one of Bhaktisiddhanta's disciples in the morning, one morning, he was playing the harmonium and singing, Rai Jago, Rai Jago, Rai means Radharani. So Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati came and said, first you have to wake up. There's no question of waking up Radharani until you have to wake up first. You have to wake up to the spiritual platform. So like that, even you see, there may be sufficient income and nice prasad and deity worship, people are coming, but if it's not clean, you're not going to properly satisfy Krishna. It's, an, it's a fault in our devotional service. So everyone should, don't think it's just the manager, it's everyone's responsibility. If you see something thrown on the ground, you should pick it up. Of course, I started to do that the other morning when I came, and in one hour I just covered about 10 square meters, because there's so much. That was over there in that corner. But everyone has to be conscious. The, the, the bad habits that we've imbibed since our childhood, we should give that up. We should come to a better standard. We have to become Krishna conscious. We have to come to this standard of living in the spiritual world. You have to do everything first class for Krishna. So cleanliness is a very basic principle of Brahminical life. If one is not clean, he cannot be a Brahmin. No question of being a Brahmin. You're not just eat some prasad, half finished, stick it in the corner, and then someone pulls it out three months later, all fungus and it's not Brahman. It's, it's even in Vedic culture, even Shudras don't do that. So we have to learn. We have to do. Otherwise, it's simply a bottom of it. So I see now there's been some cleaning going on here. Is it? There's not... Pratipadam Purna Kachara. At every step, you're stepping on Kachara. It's not like that now. It was a few days ago. But it's a constant thing. You have to constantly go on. If you need to hire some more staff, hire them. Don't be, uh, don't be miserly. I ask them also. Then you have to supervise and train them. Your job every day, you have to go and pick up all, everything that's thrown down. And, and like I say, put the, put the bins, and when you're giving out the prasad, tell people, put it in the bin, put it in the bin, put it in the bin. Train them. And then you have to, because not everyone will, then you have to pick it up. It can be done. It's not impossible. But it requires consciousness. And then if we keep clean, then our own consciousness, that we're not clean, that means we're not in good consciousness. It means we're in dirty consciousness. But if we keep clean, then automatically our own consciousness will improve. So that essay I wrote, you can circulate that. You can give that to others also. 
If you want, you can translate it in Hindi also. But at least, why don't you call the devotees and read it out to them in Hindi? Can you do that? Jai Harinjana.